friends. Welcome to another episode of the Long Distance Friends podcast. My name is Liv. It is so early in the morning. Okay. It is probably the earliest that I have woken up in like two months. I'm recording a little later than usual just because it's it's been one of those weeks. How are you doing? I want to thank everybody that is like following, liking, subscribing, and sharing with a friend. Like it, it is so deeply appreciated. It brings a little bit more attention to the show and it helps us out. It helps you out. And I like to think that what I'm putting out into the world is able to help somebody, like whether it is just validating an experience or giving someone the sense that they're not alone for 45 minutes. You know, uh, it, there's a lot of value. Unfortunately, I think we live in a society that we have progressed so far with this virtual world that it has, it's pulled us further apart. You know, in theory, it's brought us closer. It's made it easier for us to connect with family and friends and loved ones, but it's also made it so much more common and normal to be kind of isolated. And that has really been something that like affected me. You know, I my closest relative is an hour and a half away and I'm really grateful for that. But like before I moved here and had that distance, the closest relative was 12 hours away. And that was kind of tough. You know, I had a great friend group though. You know, I had people nearby me and it's just like every time I think I've moved, you know, you have to start a new community. Now you maintain the ones that you built, but that's where, you know, these platforms come into play where, well, you don't have to build a new one because you have one already, but how are you nurturing these long distance relationships? You know, I use Marco Polo, which I absolutely love um, to stay connected with a lot of people because, you know, you can send like a little mini vlog update and you can see their face and you can hear their voice and you can get the full, you know, hundred percent of their communication at their own time. And it, it was a huge game changer for me. Sorry, I'm a little sick, but it's not the same as having the people nearby and, you know, being in my early twenties, it's not always feasible to just book a flight and go see someone, you know, that's not, necessarily in my in my budget right now (laughs) as much as I'd like it to be but you know so if a platform like this is able just to provide the sense of community I know I've been listening to a couple podcasts for you know six years and those people became part of my life you know it's become part of my routine that every week I know that I get to catch up on their lives and it makes me feel like I'm part of a community that I physically don't have however it doesn't replace the need for that physical community. So I think it's important to find a way to, de- to develop a physical community, you know? Um, but until then, here's what we have. So thank you for liking. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate it. Don't forget to follow us on on uh, Instagram at longdfriendspod. You can, if you're just a full audio listener, you can put faces to names and watch some of our moments and see some of the behind the scenes. If you're on YouTube, thank you. Hi. Also give us a listen because, you know, it it helps. Um, I do want to preview just like a little sneaky peek. Uh, Coming soon, we're going to have a super special guest that I am super excited about. I'm not going to say anything yet. I'm just going to knock on wood. 
Um, but we're working to get some really cool vests, vests, guests. Good God, I can't speak. I'm so sorry. Um, we're, we're getting some cool guests in. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of newer topics that I'm really excited about. And today I only have like two things that I really want to talk about, but I think that they are important. You know, last week I talked a little bit about like responsibility in the sense of time management and that that is a huge thing. I think it's something that has been kind of lost to some degrees. And then, you know, I feel awkward bringing it up because it's like, if you're the person that's like, Hey, your time management is awful. You need to do better. Suddenly you're like a drill sergeant. I'm like, that's not what I want to be, but like, you know, what, what, how are we teaching, you know, the skills to young people to build themselves to be successful in the modern world that like, there's so many tools to help you, but like sometimes when there's too much, it gets overwhelming and you just have to like stop and be like, "I, I have to take a break. I don't know where to begin. You know, so sharing like this is the tool that I use. Here's how I use it is helpful, at least in my opinion. I'm in the rocking chair. It's in, I I do want to. Here's my Rex for the for the week. Okay, um, this was a Sam's Club purchase. It is a hammock folding chair, so I can I can swing. I love it. I'm a fan. Okay, and it it lets me sit crisscross applesauce. Super fun. So that's rec number one. While we are waiting on upgrading the studio, this is what we have. Um, Other recs that I want to give, um, the, I forget the brand, but it's the Bye Bye Panda Eye Tubing Mascara. It has a nice applicator. So like, I feel like it, I'm not wearing it right now. Okay. It is eight o'clock in the morning. I'm not wearing makeup, but it has a really nice applicator. It stays on really well. And I... TikTok introduced me to tubing mascara and the tubing mascara that went viral on TikTok was like $30. And I was like, I'm not paying $30 for mascara because typically I just use the like old school, what your mom used eighties style, uh, great lash by Maybelline, the like pink and green, like the iconic, when you think of mascara, you're thinking that right. Everybody's mom had it in their bag. Um, and I don't know if anybody else had this, but like when I was in middle school, my mom was like, you can wear clear mascara. And it was just like eyebrow gel, but I was like, and honestly, I should probably get some. Honestly, I think, I think I need to go get some because like, I mean, it, it, it helps a little bit like for a no makeup makeup look like it works. And also I like, I feel like I need to take classes on like how to do my makeup because I don't know how to do my makeup. I know how to put on mascara and lip gloss and that's it. And I really do think that that's all people need. I really do think that like, that's fine. But then like, I have all these like eyeshadows and blushes and all these things. And I'm like, I feel like I look like I'm trying so hard. Like, I feel like sometimes I look like a kid playing with makeup. If I try to do anything outside of just mascara and lipstick or lip gloss, I mean, even lipstick, sometimes I'm like, do I look too much? And I want to put it out there that like, I don't think anybody needs makeup. I mean, Pamela Anderson just went to the Paris fashion week completely makeup free. And like, what a bad bitch. Like she looks phenomenal, right? Like constantly that like beauty is not about how you are able to alter your appearance. Like I'm a, I'm a big person of like who you are on the inside is reflected by your outside. So like, I know that like physically I am not the most desirable human being in the world. I know I don't look like a Kardashian. And I also know that the Kardashians don't look like the Kardashians, that they have altered their appearances so many times to fit the trends. What was 
ideal 15 years ago is not the same anymore. What was ideal 30 years ago is not what is ideal anymore, you know? And it's, it's constantly going to change, but what's never going to change is, are you a magnetic human being? Are you a captivating person who people want to be around? Are you kind? Are you gracious? Like those are the things that I think reflect and hate makes you ugly. So take that as you will. But the tubing mascara, I guess the way that it works is it's, it's chemically different than regular mascara where regular mascara is, you know, it just painted on. And the tubing mascara has a polymer that coats the lashes. So you don't have to use makeup remover to get it off. You can just use hot water and like peel it off, um, which is good for me because I don't use makeup remover. This is also why I can't do my makeup, but I am, I am considering taking a makeup class just to like learn how to do my own makeup because, you know, growing up, I did ballet for about 10 years. I did so many shows. I did theater. So it was like, I learned how to do makeup and I was really good at it, but it was stage makeup. So you are putting on a lot of foundation and then you're doing, you know, the same design you know, I know that this color goes here, this color goes here, this color goes here, this color goes here, this color goes here. And I'm wearing this lipstick for this role. That's it. I can't wear that in public because it's so heavy. It's so much. It It's ridiculous. Um, my second shout out is the Target Pet Halloween costumes. Let me go grab Toulouse so I can show you what we're working with right now. All right. Say hello to Toulouse. Toulouse, let's fix your shirt. So it was, it got pretty chilly where I live. And even though my boy here has medium length hair, we have sweaters. Now Pastrami is wearing a crocheted sweater that I made in college because it, it no longer fits my sweet Tootie Lou, but Tootie Lou is wearing his favorite shirt of all time. Now this is from Target. We are a big fan, but my sweet, sweet, sweet guy. Let me flip you around. Hold on. Let me flip you around. Is a jack-o'-lantern. He loves it. It's her jack-o'-lantern shirt, right? So cute. <laughs> so gorgeous. Gorgelini. Hold on. Cover photo. Look. Toulouse. I am going to take it off of him because I think he's getting tired of it. He's been wearing it for three. No. Okay. You want to keep it on. Okay. We also have the head pieces for them. Like the little like face costumes. They don't love them. Okay. And like, I get it, you know, masks, like they get a little uncomfortable, especially if you are just a little sweet baby boy, like, like them. It was brought to my attention, um, this weekend, Guys, I'm, I'm going to expose myself right now. Toulouse is a domestic medium hair. But when I got him, he was a big guy. Um, now I got him as a kitten and he grew faster than any other kitten I've ever seen. And he was like a really big kitten. Like he very quickly was the same size as my parents' full grown adult cat. And I was like, he's only like a year old. It takes cats about three years to reach their full size. Like I don't know what's going on because as like a teenager cat, right? Like at like a year old, he was almost 20 pounds. And this is not like 
oh, I was overfeeding him. Like, no, I fed him the same amount that was on the instructions on the box. He, he got, he got as directed and he just, he grew so big, so fast. And he had, you know, like the longer hair. So I was like, maybe he's mixed with like some Maine Coon because his tail is really fluffy and he is just, he's just a bigger guy. And I love that. Okay. I love a big boy. All right. But when he was nine months old, he was 12 pounds. And when he was a year old, no, when he was about two years old, when he was about two years old, he hit like 20, 25 pounds. And my vet was like, it's not an issue right now, but like eventually it might be. So like, just keep an eye on it. Cause like, it's not like he's overweight. Like he is a normal size based off of, he's just like huge. He's just a really big guy. And I was like, I don't think he's that big. Like I don't, maybe it's because I'm not around other cats. And then I started getting around other cats that were much more petite. And I don't know if it was because they were female cats or what, but both of my cats are boys. And I I got Pastrami, my second cat, about a year and a half ago. And I also got him as a kitten. So he was itty bitty. And like, he grew so slowly, like genuinely when Toulouse was the same age as Pastrami, he was double the size. And I was like, maybe he is a big guy. But when I got the kitten, um, Toulouse lost about 10 pounds. And it was very exciting um, for the vet. He was like, maybe he was depressed. And I was like, it makes sense. We both were. You know, he. I got him in COVID and I was with him all the time. And then I got a big girl job and I had to go to work. And he was by himself. And like, even though when, when I got him in college, like we love to hang out with each other. Um, he's hanging out with me right now, but he very much, I, I gentle parent my cats. I very much am a believer of like, you'll come to me. I'm not going to force affection on them. Hi. Hello. Do you want to say hello? Also come here. Pastrami also wants to say hello. Good morning. Good morning. Take a sniff. Hello. Yeah. Okay. Um, that they'll, they'll come to me if they want me, I'm not going to drag them out from under a bed. I'm not going to force them to, you know, love me. I was very respectful. I think cats are absolutely phenomenal creatures in the sense that they are able to give you their boundaries. And it was like a really great lesson for me as someone who struggled with having boundaries. Um, because I had none, you know, I, I didn't, I was under the impression that Ben having boundaries was like a bad thing and it's not spoiler alert. If you didn't know, it's not a bad thing to have boundaries. You have to have boundaries. Having boundaries is how you, is how you show up for yourself and how you show yourself and others that you care about them. Because if I am not setting a boundary with you of like, when you do this thing, you hurt me, I am hurting both of us. Um, so I, I was always really respectful of both of my boys' boundaries when they were kittens of like, come to me, like, I respect your space. I respect you. Like, I'm going to be so happy and excited when you come to me, but like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to just like force you. Um, so Toulouse was chill with that and he will hang out in the same room, but he's like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to be near you actually. Like, I, I like to see you. I don't, I don't need to be next to you. And I'm like, thank you so much. I really appreciate your presence. It, it makes me so happy. Thank you. But when I moved out and it was just us, like he literally, he'd be like, I, Hey, I see you. I'm going to go to the other room. And then I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to go to the other room. He'd be like, that's so nice. I'm going to leave. I actually don't want to be around you. And I was like, great. 
I love that. Thank you so much, honey. Thank you so much. Um, but I got, I got the kitten to lose, lost 10 pounds to lose is currently about 16, 17 pounds. And I don't see it. I know he's giving me the death stare. I'll stop talking about your weight. I'm so sorry. He's healthy. He's good. But like, you know, he had someone else to play with. And for about a year and a half, it was just me and him. And so I have all of these toys. Toulouse doesn't really like toys. Honestly, both of them don't really like toys. They like it for about a day. I'll get a new toy. They'll be obsessed with it. And then they're like, don't give a shit. I do not care about this anymore. And I've tried just about every toy I can find. And they're like, don't care. Um, When Toulouse was a kitten, he had favorite toys. He had a abominable snowman that he stole from one of my roommates that he would carry around the house and he'd snuggle with. And it was super cute. And we still have it. And he does not play with it anymore. Um, But I got pastrami. Toulouse started playing with him and like they full WWE each other. Like it's full fight club here. Um, And that's just my life. You know, we don't talk about it. It's fine. It's the number one rule of fight club. But this weekend I, I introduced my cats to someone um, and Pastrami is still smaller than Toulouse. Like he's starting to get a little bit of a pouch. He's starting to get his primordial pouch, which all cats have. Um, But he, in my head, is still like less than 10 pounds knowing that Toulouse is his size and is about 16. And I was like, he's just an itsy bitsy, teensy tiny boy. He's always been smaller than Toulouse, which then makes, you know, the fighting unfair. And this person was like, hey, I also have two cats and both of them are under 10 pounds. You're th- this cat is more than 10 pounds. And I was like, no, um, he's a dainty little baby. He's maybe like mm, eight pounds. Like he's a, he's a baby. He's a teeny tiny little boy. Maximum. He's 10 pounds. Pastrami is 14 pounds. I don't know when this happened. I don't know what's going on, but I, I love big boys in this house, I guess has big boys in it, but I, I, what is the healthy size for cats? Because when I take them to the vet, they're like, oh, they're healthy. And I'm like, right. They get enough exercise. I have lots of enrichment. I give them wet food. I give them dry food. I give them not a lot of treats. We are not huge on it. We don't do a lot of human food. Pastrami does not like treats or human food. Toulouse, however, was my college baby. Um, So when I would eat, he'd always get a sniff. He always gets a sniff, whatever I'm cooking. Um, and if I have like unseasoned chicken, I'll give him a little bite because we love each other and we share and he's my special baby. They're both my special babies. Okay. So that's, that's my cat stories. I don't know what started this, honestly. How did I get on this? I don't know. But yeah, so tubing mascara, that's a wreck. I also want to recommend like, it's not great luggage, but it's good luggage. I have had, it's from Target. It's the iFly suitcase for probably five years. And I use it every single time I travel. Every single time I travel. It's got 360 wheels that like they're starting to get a little gunky, but like they're solid. They're good. And it fits everything. And it's a carry-on size. Like I have never had an issue with it. And I very much appreciate it. It's my go-to. Now, could it be better? Probably. But it fits my shit. And I don't have to check a bag. So I will take it. It probably could be a little sturdier, but it's lasted five years and I've never had, I've not had an issue in the past five years. So I, I recommend don't buy furniture from Amazon. If you bought furniture from Amazon and it 
came out perfect. Amazing. I had a bed frame that I ordered. It was so beautiful. It was so cute. And like, I had this gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous vision of what it was going to look like. And I know that it's not Amazon's fault. I know that it was like a third party that uses the the platform to sell their product, but like it came with a dent in it. And I reached out to the seller and I was like, Hey, like I can't put these pieces together. And they were like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, here's a refund. You can order a different style if you want, but like these like metal bed frames, that's kind of part of it of like when they're being shipped, like we try to protect them as best that we can. But during shipping, like if FedEx just drops it on your front doorstep, like it might be damaged. Like there's, there's not a whole lot we can do. And I was like, I get it. It's fine. And I tried to fix the dent and it just like would not, would not fix. And I was so determined. And I just, I'm at the point where like, I have to throw it away. And I don't know how a king size bed frame, I'm just going to leave it on the curb. Like it, it feels like such a waste, but like, there's literally nothing else I can do. I reached out to one of my neighbors and he was like, you can weld it. And I was like, what about me? Genuinely look at me. Do I look like, I'm just like, oh, why did I think of that? Let me go in the backyard and weld this. I'm afraid of fire. And I'm pretty sure welding is like a lot of fire. So I've given up and I am I got like a very, not as aesthetic as I would like it to be bed frame because it'll be delivered by a local furniture company and they'll put it together. But like buying furniture is hard. You know, like I, I want to talk about this. Of like growing up never stops, you know? And I'm at the phase where it's like, okay, I need to, buy furniture. And I'm like, you know, naturally my go-to is like, what's, what's the most affordable because I'm starting out and, you know, I need to get all of these things, but furniture is an investment. And I am aware that furniture is an investment. So you want to get the right stuff and you don't want to get the cheap stuff. Cause when you do what I did and you try to get the cheap stuff, it falls apart or it breaks and it doesn't work. And it's, you, you want to, there's a healthy balance. So I picked out a bed frame that was as close to my budget as I could get. And like, decent enough style that I can work with. And it it's gray. And I'm not really excited about that because the room is like charcoal. And I'm like, is it going to be too dark? Because the bed frame that I originally got was gold with like a linen colored um, like headboard. And it was really pretty and it was going to brighten the space. And I know I can still brighten the space. Like the comforter is this like dusty rose color, but it just like, it's hard to get like a good quality piece for less than like a thousand dollars. And I'm like, I just am not in a place where I can drop a thousand dollars on a headboard. However, I need a bed. I can't keep sleeping on the floor, you know? Um, I can, but I like for the sake of for the sake of your mental health, like you need to make your home somewhere where you feel good and safe. You know, there's a reason why the decluttering movement has been as impactful as it has because like the, my, my home studio right now is a bit cluttered because I threw a bunch of stuff in here because I had someone coming over and I just wasn't ready to deal with it. You know, out of sight, out of mind is a thing. However, when the clutter builds, well, now it's in sight and now you have to mind it. And it's important for your mental health to keep a clean space. I am aware, you know, it's good for your overall health to keep a sanitary space, to keep a tidy space is good for your mental health. I'm not saying you have to be a minimalist. I'm actually saying the opposite. While minimalism works for some people, it will stress out others. There's no right way. So yes, while in theory, being a minimalist is ideal, I want to live with more color. I want to live 
with decor that makes me feel cozy and at home. And I look at a home that has photos on the walls and things on the shelf as a home that's lived in. There's a difference between a house and a home and I'm building a home. It's going to take a while. It's not going to be built overnight, but I'm trying to not get overwhelmed by going, okay, I have a whole house that I need to decorate, but rather saying, I want to start with one room. I want to start with my bedroom, which is my safe space, which is my sacred place. Like this is the spot that is undeniably mine. I want to hang photos that I look at and make me feel good. I want to paint it a color that is going to make it feel like the vibe that I want. I I want to decorate it in a way that I want. Like I get to do that. That's so fun and special and exciting. But like, hey, the vision isn't looking how I thought it would. And there's a little bit of disappointment in that, but also like it can change. Like I can change it whenever I want. And that's so nice. But yeah, that's where I'm at with that. I don't, I don't know what I was getting at there, but it's changing. Um, and I'm excited about it. And I think that like, I wish that apartment complexes were a lot nicer with like this bullshit builder gray is so depressing. Like if you love agreeable beige, good for you. I don't want to live in a house that's completely beige. Like I do live in a house that is primarily beige because that's how it's builder grade. That's how they come. The house that I grew up in had light green walls in one of the living rooms. And when I say one of the living rooms, I mean, there was like an open room that like, it was like at the front window. So like, we didn't actually use it as a living room because like, people could see, but it was there and it was light green. The kitchen and the bulk of the house was a light yellow. Um, My brother Oliver's bedroom for years was a shade known as peanut. Uh, His bedroom growing up was pirate themed. Like he had a boat book, like little like rowboat bookshelf and he had bunk beds my bedroom when I was from like eight years old until I got to high school was teal. It was like, I, I was a teal girly so hard. I still kind of am. I, I flip flop between being a teal girly, a purple girly and a pink girly. Like I genuinely cannot just be like, this one is my favorite. Um, but I was always a teal girly. I was a teal girly with a pink bedspread and flower, uh, pottery barn. Cause they were like, I, did not care. I was like, these are the sheets. Flower sheets. Listen, Pottery Barn had a chokehold. Pottery Barn teen, Pottery Barn kids had a chokehold on me. Okay. I lived for the catalogs and I'd be like, I have to own this. This is the most important thing that could ever happen. It wasn't, but like, you know, at the time it was cool. It was the thing. It was, everybody was doing it. Um, and I lived for the catalogs. And then my sister had a green room. And it was like aggressively green. It was so intense. And then we moved around and my old room got painted blue, like a light blue. And my brother got my room and I got my sister's room when she left for college and we painted it a light purple and it is still light purple, but my other brother lives in it now. And I don't, I don't think they're ever going to repaint it, but he doesn't care. He's like, it's just paint. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. I'm like, all right, buddy. Sounds good. But it was full of color. There were things on the walls. There were pictures on the walls. There were, you know, books on the shelf. There were things that we had made in school on the shelf. There was so much life in it. And I am slowly adding life to my own home. And like, 
you know, it took me a while to realize like when I was eight years old, my parents were in their forties, you know, like they had a lot of life to like accumulate the vibe that they had in their home, you know, like they, they built life before. Um, and I'm doing that now. And so I don't have to have that level of like things done. It just has to be cozy enough for now. Um, so that's where I'm at. My stomach is growling. Um, I do want to talk very briefly about medical responsibility because I am in my twenties. I'm in my young twenties and it's something that if I can find a professional to talk about, I would love to, but it is so important that people take care of themselves. Nothing is more unattractive than people that don't take care of themselves. And when I say like that, you don't take care of yourself. Like I am someone who has struggled with really severe mental health and I am so, so, so thankful and blessed that I am in a really good place now, but I have been in a place where I was not. I have been in a place where showering was the hardest thing that I could imagine doing, where I could not wash my hair, where basic personal hygiene was difficult and beyond difficult. And I was really grateful that I was in a therapy group where it was a completely safe space and that when I was going through that, I could share it and have three other women go, teeth brushing is it for me. I have to keep my hair short because when I'm really struggling, I can't brush my hair and I I got like matted the last time. And so I had to cut my hair short. That's okay. And then sitting with these women and having the like, okay, so the most important thing I can do is take care of myself, right? But I'm struggling to be in a place where I feel worthy of taking care of myself. I'm struggling mentally and I don't have the energy for it. You know, I talk about my spoons. You know, I have five spoons every day. Some days it takes me two spoons just to get out of bed. Some days it takes me a full spoon to take care of myself. Some days it takes me a full spoon just to brush my teeth. So how how do I hack the system and still take care of myself? Whether it's, okay, you couldn't brush your teeth today. Can you use mouthwash? Like it's it's better than nothing. And sometimes better than nothing is all that you can do. And there is absolutely no shame in that. But it is important that we take care of ourselves because your body is not everything that you are. You know, your body is going to change and my body is not going to look like how it does today for the rest of my life. I would be putting an unrealistic standard on myself if that's what I expected. I mean, I am trying to break the unrealistic standard that my brain has given me that I need to look the way that I did when I was 12 years old. That's not real. That was a prepubescent child. I'm never going to be a hundred pounds because when I was a hundred pounds, I was a child. I was a baby. That's just facts. But taking care of my skin suit is my responsibility. Like this is where I live. I live inside of this skin suit and the same way that I need to take care of my house, I need to take care of my body. You know, I, I need to live in a, in a home that's sanitary. Well, I also need to make sure that I am sanitary. That's, that's a basic But then we go on to like, I understand that like the fear of doctors is real. I've had plenty of experiences with doctors where I have needed help with something and have said like, this is what's going on in my body, help. And they've gone, oh, that's not happening. You're too young for that. That's not valid. And it was really frustrating, but like that didn't stop me from going back to the doctor. I just found a new one. I told them, okay, I would like you to mark on my chart these symptoms that I have. And I would like you to document your actions on them. Usually things get taken care of, or I would bring someone with me, or 
I would just go to a new doctor. I'd be like, okay, new doctor. I mean, I had a doctor who I remember I was in college and taking care of my body. It was my responsibility to protect myself. Um, and so I decided to get on birth control and I tried multiple different forms. And I was like, all of these are giving me just the worst side effects. And like, I hate it. And can I get a non-hormonal option? Because the hormones are just really fucking up my mental health so bad. And so I had a doctor look at me and tell me no. And they didn't just tell me no, they, they got mean with it. And I remember sitting there sobbing because they kind of bullied me. And I don't really want to talk about exactly what was said, but it was really hurtful and it was really unprofessional. I'm sorry if you can hear my stomach growling, but I I contacted um, the student health center's board and like the head doctor. And I was like, hi, this is what your doctor is doing. They are shaming the young women that are coming in here going, I I can tell you what's going on inside of my body because I live here. I can tell you what's normal and what's not normal because I live here. I see it every day. If I tell you that it's not normal for me to have this amount of mucus coming out of my face, listen to me. I live here. You don't. I know what's normal and you don't. But I got a different doctor who gave me the birth control I was looking for. I had a copper IUD for several years. Um, It also had a lot of side effects that I know most people don't have. I, it made my periods like a lot heavier. And I know that that is a very common side effect for it, like naturally, but it was to a point where it was like really painful uh, for me. Cause I've, I have always had painful periods, but it made it so much more intense. And I, I look back at it. I'm like, how did I power through that? Like I would still go about my day completely. And I was just like, ah, it's fine. And now I'm like, I could not imagine. And I know that it's hard, hard to advocate for yourself, um, but it's important to do, you know, one bad experience doesn't mean that all doctors are bad, but it's important that you go to your, you know, annual exams. Preventative care is important. You know, one, it's important to get your preventative care. It's important to get tested regularly. It is important to go to your annuals. It's important to get a pap smear. It's important to get your mammograms. It is important to be mindful of your family history. What could you be potentially predisposed to? Like, I know that there are certain cancers that have run in my family. So it's important to me that I get my pap smear because, hey, cervical cancer is something that it it might be in the cards for me. I know that it's important for me to have a good relationship with my gynecologist because like, Oh, ovarian cysts have been a very prevalent issue in my family. Like it's important for me to be aware of these things and to also communicate that and to be in constant communication about it of like, Hey, something feels different. I need to check, but like going to the dentist. Yes. The dentist can be scary, but like talk to your dentist about what options they have. Like oral care is associated with like the rest of your health. Like the worst thing that they can say is like, Hey, you're not in good shape and you need help. If you need help and you are not going, you're being irresponsible. And that's not, that's, one, it's not cute. It's not cute, okay? It's not cute to neglect yourself. And also, I'm not going to say that you have to love yourself. I think that you should love yourself. I think that your life will be a lot better if you love yourself. But you can't love yourself if you don't start with just liking yourself. Just managing with yourself. You know, like self-love is the goal. Absolutely. I 
am proud that I'm at a point where I can say that I love myself and that I choose myself. But for a very long time, I didn't even like myself. And I can tell you that I didn't like myself because I was neglecting myself. I wasn't going to the doctor. I wasn't checking in. Like, let's take ourselves out of it. So now I'm not taking care of myself. I'm taking care of a pet or a child. If I'm a parent and I have a child and I don't take them to the doctor regularly for checkups to make sure that they are growing properly, to take care of them when they're sick, when they say that something feels wrong, that's neglect. Like the state can get called if you do not take care of your child in these ways. So why would you not doing those things for yourself not also be neglect? So go to the doctor. Like if you're scared, bring a friend, call a friend, text a friend. I mean, I am every time I'm in the doctor's office, no matter how comfortable I am, I'm texting a friend and I'm going, this is what I'm having done. And I want to talk about it. Like talk about these things more. Talk about what you're having done. It might remind somebody else that they need to do it. Like it's so important. It's so, so, so important. Like, yes, eating well, exercising, but also going to the dentist, going to the doctor, going to get things looked at when you need it. And like, I understand that not everybody has health insurance, not everybody can afford it, but like, that's a different issue. That is, that is a hundred percent a different issue that I am not going to stand on my soapbox about, but breaks my heart because like, you don't want to wait until it's too late. You know, like being proactive is going to keep you well longer. And like, I want you to care about yourself. I want to care about myself. And how can anybody else care for me if I don't care for myself? Just some food for thought. Um, All right. Well, I've been recording for a while because I just, I needed to record something. I had a whole plan for this week and it fell through. So you just get me. All right. Have a good week. Love you all. Please like, share, subscribe, email us at Long D Friends Pod. Follow us on Instagram at Long D Friends Pod. I love you. Have a great week. Bye.